Welcome to the Multifamily Mavericks Podcast, hosted by Josiah Smelser and Megan Greathouse. This is your one-stop shop for building and growing your multifamily business. Join us on a weekly basis as we crack the code to multifamily investing and scale up to financial freedom. And now your hosts, Josiah and Megan. Hey, Multifamily Mavericks, it is your host, Megan Greathouse, and I hope you are all having a great Tuesday. I'm having a really productive one, actually. I just recorded an awesome episode of the Multifamily Mavericks podcast, which you're going to hear about in a second here. I refinanced one of my duplexes, and I chatted with a commercial broker, Um, so I feel like I'm doing good things and making good moves. There's still a lot to be done, but you know what? We got to celebrate the wins. I hope you're all doing well. Today, you're going to get to hear from Daisy Serrano. She and her husband have been limited partners in a few syndications and a few large deals in Texas. Um, And it was really interesting to talk to her about their journey. Unlike many of us who started with a single family or a duplex or a four family, she and her husband just jumped straight into being LPs in larger multifamily Um, deals. And now they're looking to make the jump to become GPs. So we talk a lot about what they did to educate themselves before investing into some syndicated deals, um, how they both underwrote the deal, but also researched the GPs in these deals, the general partners, um, and even how they just align their goals every week and how they plan for the future and what they're doing now to transition into uh, being some GPs on some deals. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I had a lot of fun talking with her and I think you're gonna have some great takeaways. Enjoy. Before we get started, let's take this opportunity to get connected. You can find me on Instagram at Daily Real Estate Investor. You can find Megan on Instagram at Part-Time Empire and our show on Instagram at Multifamily Mavericks. We're also both on LinkedIn. And if you're a multifamily investor, a multifamily syndicator, a mom and pop owner, want to partner with us on a deal, or even have a deal you want to sell, get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. Shoot us a message through Instagram or LinkedIn, and let's get to know each other. All right, we are here today with Daisy Serrano, and I'm so excited to chat with her. She um, is someone who I actually met just through LinkedIn, you know, online networking, like so many of us are doing, especially in these times of COVID. And I saw her um, in a post that uh, I guess a mutual acquaintance of us made and uh, reached out to her right away because I was interested in what she was doing. But I'm going to go ahead and let her be the one to tell us a little bit more about that. Daisy, would you like to introduce yourself to the Multifamily Mavericks? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. I'm excited to be here with you today. And yeah, we actually connected on LinkedIn. I'm quite active. Um, and yeah, the, the journey has been a little crazy for sure. I've actually been in the international education and counseling space the last 10 years. So working with international students and clients from all around the world. Uh, and the last three years or so, my husband and I started investing passively as limited partners in multifamily. And now we're making the jump onto the GP side. So we've invested passively in a little bit over 250 units in Texas. Uh, and now are focused on the San Antonio and DFW markets out there. That's awesome. So you jumped right in with just being an LP in much larger deals. A lot of us, myself included, start by buying our own house or our own duplex that we will kind of own and manage. And it's maybe in some ways a smaller step, um, a little more hands-on, but you're not getting to that larger size right away. 
what made you guys decide to just jump into these larger deals? Yeah, that's a really great question. My husband had actually been interested in investing in multifamily for a very long time. So he was the one that did sort of the soft introduction um, of multifamily and, and real estate to, to me, to be quite honest, some years back, maybe about five, five years ago, just started talking about, you know, why, why investing passively was, was a good option. And, and uh, I always thought it as something that he was doing or that he was interested in. And it was really until I realized the, the benefit the long-term implications of being able to provide for our family, to not be tied to a nine-to-five, uh, you know, especially when we were considering the possibility of having a family and having children, uh, being able to help retire my parents. And so we started looking at the differences between the single family and multifamily sides. And uh, with multifamily, we really liked uh, being LPs, being passive investors, that it was, there was a lot of work, you know, on the front front end with regards to vetting the sponsor, making sure that the deal works, that the numbers worked, that, you know, it was somebody that we wanted to work with. But once we invested the money, then it was very passive, right? Then we started getting distributions quarterly and, you know, we would get the newsletters and check in with the sponsors every so often, but it was very passive. And so we just saw the power of being uh, in the multifamily space and not having to have another job, uh, you know, if we were to acquire our own and manage and work with residents, then it would be very hands-on. And so with being limited partners, we were able to still continue, you know, working our, our jobs, our W-2 jobs, and start to create that generational wealth for our family for the long term. That's awesome. And I love that you kind of see it in there, you're wise, you want to be able to help your parents retire, take care of kids comfortably when you're ready for those. The general generational wealth thing, I think, is something mm. that's so cool to hear people talk about. It's not just that you want enough for yourself to live on, but you want to, you want to build things for others as well. So that's always nice to hear about. We don't always dig into the, the why as much, but um, I think it's powerful and it's a good reminder for people just every time that everyone out there who's actually doing this has a why, because it's not, even when you're doing something that's more passive, it's not easy. You have, you know, like you said, a lot of upfront work. Um, so let's talk about some of that upfront work, because first of all, one question I have is, being investors who had not invested in that one to four family space first, what did you do to make sure that you knew how to check the numbers that these general partners or these syndicators were giving to you? What did you do to make sure you knew how to kind of do your own underwriting and make sure that the numbers actually worked on the deals you were looking at? Yeah, and I'll be very transparent. I, my husband has an engineering background, and so he is great at numbers. We call him the, the ultimate nerd. Um, <laughs> so he loves digging into spreadsheets and formulas and, you know, returns and, and anything and everything uh, related to numbers. And so he really did a lot of the back end work with vetting the deal and making sure that, you know, looking at the sensitivity analysis and looking at the long term projections and the IRR and making sure that it was something that, you know, would, would, um, uh, you know, provide us the, the returns and the, and the opportunities that we were looking for. Uh, and where we partnered was definitely in vetting the, the sponsors. So what we did is when we found a sponsor that, that we liked, we, you know, researched them on the back end, talked to people that had worked with them. Um, and we also flew out to the market. So what we did actually was secret shop the properties that we were looking to invest in. 
and that was really fun. So we live in California in LA. Uh, so we flew out to San Antonio, Texas, and we secret shopped it. So we pretended like we were, you know, going to move to the state uh, and we're looking for a place to live. And so we wanted to get a feel for the property type, the area, uh, the property management company, make sure that it was, you know, being ran as, you know, what the presentation shows, right? How it's being ran because you always, you know, you see the webinars or you see the presentations, but then you can get there and it can be completely different. Uh, and so we also made it a point to um, talk to a lot of local people. And so we, we asked them, what do you like about the area? What don't you like? What have you seen coming into the area? And people were very, very excited and very welcoming and happy to, to talk about what was happening. Um, you know, the good, the bad, and it was more good than bad. And so from just all of the, I guess those experiences where you can't touch and feel, um, then, you know, we were able to make a decision. Then the finances made sense. We flew out. We liked the property. We liked the property management. Uh, it was a solid deal. And so then we decided to invest. That, I mean, that secret shop is awesome. I love that. And you hear people talk about that sometimes um, mm -hmm. with like property management companies. But yeah, I think this is the first time I've talked with someone who says as, you know, as a potential LP, I went and secret shopped the, the apartment building itself. And was this, do you recall, was this before they actually acquired it? Were they under contract on the property? And so they kind of knew a lot of the details already and what their plan was for it going forward? Yeah, they were under contract already. Um, so it, it was a deal that had already been presented. We already had the, fi the financials. So the financials already made sense to us. And so then that's when we decided to, okay, then, you know, we, we see that the finances made sense. Uh, we've met the sponsors. We also met one of the two sponsors in person, um, who's also local here to, to the LA area. And so all of those other things checked out, so to say. And so then we were able to make the decision that it was worth flying out. And it was sort of, you know, pleasure and business right at the same time, of course. Course, we got to do some sightseeing and do some fun things, um, but really just get a better feel for the area and for the property itself. And, and then uh, after that first one, the same sponsors actually had a second deal that was in that general area. And so we were already familiar with the area. We had already flown out there. And so it made it a lot easier to then jump on to the second one. We already had the experience with the sponsor and already were familiar with the area. So it was a much faster decision at that time. That's great. So you mentioned that you are an LP in over 250 units at this point, all in the Texas, Texas markets. What's kind of the breakout of those? And are, did you end up going with some other um, GPs as well? Or has it all been with the same group? It's all been with the same group. So they've been two separate properties, um, all with the same group. And it was really about building that relationship. I think for us, once we were comfortable with their business plan and understood who they were and how they executed, we saw from the very first deal, you know, their communication style, um, the financials that were sent out on a regular basis. Um, quarterly distributions started after Q1. So there was one quarter of no distributions and then they started directly after that in Q2. Uh, and so once we saw that we were comfortable with them, then we were very comfortable investing a second time with them. Um, and now that we're, you know, I think we'll talk a little bit more, but now that we're looking to transition onto the GP side, um, it's just been great because then they've been, you know, very good uh, reference point and, uh, you know, seeing like what's working, what can we do a little bit different, uh, what fits more so our style and, and just have like a very solid foundation to, to base our, 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 um, our own, you know, deals on. Absolutely. And let's dig a little bit more into, I guess, how you vetted the people themselves, right? Because the, the 
building is one thing. And in some ways that feels easy. A lot of it's numbers and math mm -hmm. and just seeing the condition and how it's run. But when you're really digging into those people behind the deal and those people who are going to be taking your money and be the stewards of your money, was there anything in particular you did there? I know you talked a little bit about communication style, but I mean, did you do background checks? Did you get references? How did you get to know these folks? Yeah, that's a really good question. We didn't do an extensive background check with like an FBI check of any yeah. sort, um, but we definitely did a background check with their references. So we were actually introduced uh, to this group through a friend uh, who knew them already, who was actually working with them. And so this friend, we really uh, have a close relationship with and trust. Uh, and so with him, we were able to talk about his experience with them. Uh, we reached out to a couple other people as well that had worked with them. Uh, and in doing the webinar, they offered a webinar. And so through there, we were also able to get names of other people that were uh, on that webinar that had already invested with them and reached out. And then we also met one of the sponsors in person. So, you know, in addition to um, the thorough background, like just the information you found online, right? And what you're mm -hmm. able to find, um, the good, the bad, and all of it. We didn't find any bad. Uh, and then, um, so yeah, it was really just reaching out to a lot of references, a lot of people that they had worked with. And for one of them, he actually had a podcast. And so we had been following him for quite some time. And so when we were introduced to him, we felt like it, it's already almost that sense of familiarity where you know you've heard him so much you speak you know you hear him speak all the time and so um, when we met him in person there was also that connection because we already had you know been following his journey for for quite some time and so it was a, a very easy um, I would say connection to make in person that's awesome and you know so you talk about kind of underwriting the deal and the people of course did you guys go into it with a fairly clear picture of like here here's our criteria, or were you kind of going into it, looking at a couple things and just comparing them? I mean, what, what made you guys decide, yes, this is what we want to do with our money. And this is, you know, the return we want. How did you get to that point? Yeah, we had some criteria in terms of minimums, what we were looking for. Um, but generally speaking, because it was our first time, it was a lot of looking at the actual deal itself and deciding, is this something that we want? Yes or no. And then moving forward to the next item. So when it came to um, like the, the return, right, it was, okay, is this something that we're comfortable uh, with the, the duration, right? Um, because it was a five to seven year hold. And so it was, okay, is this something that we're comfortable not having access to, you know, liquidity for, for five to seven seven years, yes, okay, then moving on to the next point. Um, so it was really sort of case by case uh, at the time. Now we're very clear and set on our criteria and what we're looking for, um, you know, that we have a little bit more experience. But at the time, because it was our first one, it was really taking it, to be honest, step by step and figuring it out as we went. Um, there were very clear minimums, but there was a pretty wide range at the time, I would say, whereas now it's, it's a lot more defined. Yeah. And what made you choose the market that you're in? Was that just a factor of, you know, we ended up with this, this GP group that we tr already trusted? Or did you do a lot of market research going into this as well? Because you're based in Los Angeles, correct? So we are, yes. So the criteria for us was that for sure we didn't want to invest in California. <laughs> so that was the number one criteria um, because of, you know, tenant laws and um, just so many different things that, you know, we, we just have chosen not to invest in California. And so once it was, okay, it met that criteria, right? It wasn't in California. Then uh, with the sponsors that we were working with, we started digging a lot more into the market, uh, you know, jobs, employment, um, diversity of employment as well. 
um, growth and just the, the potential that was there. And so it was once we found the deal and the sponsors, we dug a little bit deeper ourselves into the market to make sure that it was a market that we were comfortable in. Um, but the number one criteria initially was completely honestly just not California. <laughs> <laughs> Which is understandable from you know what I know and, and what I've heard from others in that market as well. Yeah. Um, so, and we talked a little bit about this earlier on as well, but I mean, you kind of got to the point of skipping the one to four family, partially because your husband was kind of already looking in this multifamily space. And that's maybe where you guys started researching, researching more heavily first. Was there anything in particular that just kind of turned you off from the idea of one to four family off the bat? Or did you ever think maybe, do we want to start here? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we never even considered starting in single family. Um, it never crossed our minds. We just, you know, we were introduced to the, the concept of multifamily and to syndication. And so once we learned about syndication that it was possible, we didn't have to have, you know, $10 million in the bank to be able to purchase, but we could partner with other people and raise money together, whether it was as uh, passive investors or as general partners uh, and purchase something bigger with somebody else and have uh, actual equity uh, in a deal, then we were sold. So we never even considered um, single family, I think, maybe in part because we live in California. <laughs> sure. um, I would say, you know, it's the, the cost is significantly higher. Uh, and so we, we were never interested in, in buying a home. Um, even now, I would say, you know, it's, it's, we haven't bought a home as up until now. And a lot of our family, you know, asks about that. Like, why have you not bought a home? You know, you're, you're married, you know, settling down. And we just, we like the freedom that we get from being able to move around, whether it's dependent on work or on our investments, uh, whatever the case may be. But we, yeah, we never even considered it. It honestly never even crossed our minds. We just, we knew that we didn't want to buy in California and we learned about multifamily and we saw just all the potentials and the tax you know, incentives. And there was just so many um, motivations. There's so many benefits of going directly into multifamily when being able to syndicate and work with somebody else. And so we just jumped on that wagon and we've been on ever since. And I, I like that and I point that out again because we talk a lot about being a podcast kind of aimed at the people who want to go from one to four units to 30 75, 100, 200 units for mm -hmm. their next deal or two or three. Um, but there's also folks out there who can go from zero units to being, you know, in one of the either one of several GPs or an LP in some of these much larger deals. And you don't have to wait, especially if you have the capital. Do you remember, Daisy, what the minimum contribution amounts um, per investor were for these deals? I do. Yes, there were 50,000 per per deal. So per property, 50,000 was the minimum. And folks, I mean, if you're looking at buying a, a duplex or a four family for $200,000, there's going to be very few cases unless you're house hacking where you're going to be able to put less than 25% down. I mean, you're putting the same amount in that you might put in for a $200,000 property. But now you're, certainly you have a, a smaller piece. You're not owning the whole property yourself, but now you're in, you know, 100 plus unit properties. How much is each building? How many uh, units? A little, I can look it up. Ooh, I should probably have that up. That's okay. And it was, one property was 250, a little bit over 250 units. The other one was 
a little north of 200. So it was 400 units, a little bit over 400 units total. Um, and oh, definitely gotcha. over 10 million each. I don't remember the exact purchase price. Sure. I can pull that up for you. No worries. Um, no worries. But, what, you don't need to know. You don't need to know all those details. Of, exactly. You know, just like the back of your hand because you're a limited partner. You can passively invest. You do a lot of upfront research and then it's kind of like a fire and forget which a military term that's coming back up, but you know, you, you kind of, <laughs> you aim in, pull the trigger and then you just get to let it go. <laughs> let it do yeah, what it needs. We actually just got, just got quarterly distributions this week. Um, funny enough. And I was like, I, you know, my, my husband, you know, had, had mentioned that it had come in and I was like, Oh yeah, you almost, like you said, you almost forget, right. You, you don't forget when you first put, put, you know, send the wire and you know, you're nervous. And for me, it was the first time ever investing you know, a significant amount of money to me, what was a very significant amount of money that I had, you know, um, saved for, for, for quite some time, we'd been planning for it for quite some time. And so that like that nervousness, you know, and that excitement of, of doing it at first and that fear, right. If I'm completely honest as well. Um, but then after, you know, a year or two years and you forget, and then you start getting that quarterly distribution and it's, Oh yeah, I, I had that coming in. And so it is nice to, to not be so active that you, you know, set it and forget it. And, and you continue to get the, the distributions coming in. Absolutely. And you mentioned the fear. So let's go ahead and talk about that for a second. Mm. What were the fears? <laughs> what were kind of your key fears and what did you do to get past those? Cause you know, I think there are a lot of folks who can, and I mean, we all do it to some extent who use fear as an excuse not to ever get started. So what'd you do? Cause you obviously got started in a big way. Yeah, I would say that there was definitely a lot of uncertainty because it was the first time ever. I nobody in my family had ever invested. I have to say that, um, you know, for my my husband and myself, his family had invested in single family, but none of us for for either side had invested in multifamily. And so, it, it was really once we started understanding the mechanics and you know, okay, this is what you do, and then this happens, and then this happens, but there's still that, that fear of, you know, giving away your money, right? You've worked so hard for it. You've saved for however long. Um, and, and it's like pulling the trigger, right? And it's, and it's sending it off to, to an unknown and waiting for that distribution. So there was definitely a lot of fear around that. I think for, for myself, you know, thinking, what could I have otherwise done with this money? I could, you know, help my parents. I can help my siblings. I can do more for us as a family. Um, but we're choosing to do this together. And so I think a lot of the, the fear and processing it was really being very clear on our goals. So my husband and I, for years, even before we were married, uh, every Sunday we talk about uh, our goals for the week and money and how we can support each other. And we've been doing that now for, for years. And so it's because we've been talking about it for so long and we've been talking about those goals for so long, I think when the fear came, it was a lot easier to overcome it together because we had had it in our mind so it was already we had visualized it we had seen ourselves as you know limited partners even as apartment owners and so I think it was really just the realization of all of that goal planning that had happened for for years in advance and that's awesome that you and your husband do that I mean I feel like my husband and I are a great team we're great partners we're doing big things together between you know my investments in real estate and some other business ventures that we're working on but we are not, I have to admit for everyone here, we are not <laughs> that organized in how we do that to actually set aside time once every single week to go through goals, to go through, 
the money situation and, and what you guys are dealing with or what's coming up to talk about how you can support each other. I love that part in the coming week. That's huge. I mean, I think that that, did you, did you pick that up somewhere? Was it something that just kind of naturally evolved for you guys? Yeah, we must have heard it somewhere. Oh God, it's been so long now. It's, we've probably been doing it over three, maybe close to four years at this point. Um, and we probably picked it up somewhere. I'm sure we didn't just, you know, come up with it. Um, but it sort of evolved where at the beginning, we just talked about our week and that was it. And then we started incorporating money because money is such a big part of our relationship and building our lives together. Uh, and then we incorporated, how can we support each other? So what do you need this week? What do I need this week? Um, and for me, a lot of times it's cooking. As long as he can help with cooking, I'm <laughs> my life is great. Um, but it's just all those little things. And what we've realized is that because now it's become a habit for us. And so if for whatever reason we're traveling, we're out of town, we're at our parents and we don't talk about it on Sundays, then the week feels off. So then we have to do it on Monday because then I feel like I don't know what's going on or he doesn't know what's going on. And we have access to each other's calendars and, but it's, it's a little bit different, right? It's really checking in with each other and having that, that one-on-one -on -one time. And sometimes it's, you know, at home when we're on the couch and we're, you know, having a drink or relaxing. And sometimes it's when we're on the road from, you know, my parents to home and we have an hour to, you know, to talk about it or, or less. And so it really changes depending on where we are in our lives, but we definitely make it a point to try to do that every Sunday as much as possible. And it's, it's focus. So, you know, versus my fly by the seat of the pants, I think of it when my husband's like halfway involved in something and I tell him, and then two days later, he's like, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, when you're not setting the time to do it in a focused way where you're both yeah. have agreed, this is what we're focusing our attention on right now. We're talking about these things so that we're ready for the week together. Um, I like that a lot. And I am going to, go talk to my husband right after this so awesome. implement something similar. So that's awesome. So I like that because that does so much for you and I'm sure it helps you prioritize time a lot. And as passive investors, that's obviously what you're looking for too. How much time do you think you guys spent as passive investors? And now I, I know you're looking to go to the GP side, but as LPs, how much time do you think you spent upfront to get yourself to a point where you were educated and comfortable and getting the money over to them? And then how, what's your ongoing time in terms of just seeing that the money's come in and reviewing statements? Yeah, I, I would say at the beginning, uh, a lot of, I would say it probably took some months, probably like six to nine months just for, for us to get familiar with multifamily, with what it was, uh, reading books, uh, you know, listening to podcasts, whether it's, you know, bigger pockets or multifamily, a lot of different, different resources that we tapped into. We, we definitely spent a lot, probably six to nine months uh, on the educational piece, really understanding the space and the players and just the terminology, right, as well. Um, and then once we found the sponsor, it, it happened pretty quickly. I would say probably like two months maximum from the time that we uh, were introduced to the deal and the sponsors to vetting um, to then, you know, flying out and then, you know, sending our, our wire over. Um, so yes, initially, I would say six to nine months educationally um, speaking and then vetting the deal. It was probably about 20 hours, I would say, because we were going back and forth a lot with, you know, what the numbers mean, looking at the sensitivity analysis, just listening and, you know, learning more about the sponsors themselves, uh, and then flying out to, to Texas. That, so that was over a weekend when we flew out. Um, and now as LPs, it's really 
probably no more than three hours a month um, because it's really whenever we get the newsletters, they have monthly newsletters that they send out. So we read those and then there's financials that come every quarter. So we review those together and, and look at those. And actually we've had even a podcast uh, where we talk about the finances, where it should have been, you know, where the, the numbers should be at this point and if they're there. Um, and so it's right now it's probably no more than three, three hours a month um, just because it's almost completely passive at this point. That's awesome. And so you both have been able to continue in your full-time jobs and I'm sure doing well there and still finding balance and time in your lives while creating that generational wealth that you mentioned earlier. So that's awesome. However, even as LPs, you got, <laughs> you got bit by the real estate bug and we you're did. looking to become GP. So tell us a yeah. little bit, I know you're somewhat early in that process, but tell us a little bit about what made you decide on that transition and kind of what your plans are, or what you're working on right now. Yeah, so we're very excited um, about jumping onto the GP side. And I say jump, uh, but it's definitely been more of a crawl <laughs> um, because there's a lot of work, right, to, to be able to make that leap. Um, but we're definitely looking to, to have our own deal and, and to co-GP. So looking to partner with somebody that has done it, that has the experience, that has uh, the track record and be able to work together. Uh, and so with that right now, we're building out our team. So we're almost done with, uh, with building our team, you know, anywhere from property management, uh, legal, um, brokers, just anything and everything that's, that's involved on that end. Uh, we're currently underwriting as well, uh, deals on a regular basis and um, looking, working with investors on, on the raising capital end, just in terms of soft commitments. This is, you know, essentially what we're looking for. Um, you know, if and when there's a deal, is that something that you'd be interested in? And just getting those soft commitments in. But yeah, it's very exciting uh, because we've invested in San Antonio. We're um, just very bullish on, on Texas. And, and, you know, now that we've dug deeper into the markets there, really looking at the DFW, the Dallas-Fort Worth and uh, San Antonio areas. And so uh, a lot of that has been, you know, now flying out there more regularly to, you know, meet with with our team um, to tour properties to um, really just be familiar with the different pockets of town because as you know Megan right even you know in, in LA for example there's there could be one pocket of town and the next block can be completely different and so really understanding uh, what the streets look like right and and the crossroads and and um, what those dynamics are city to city, it's very different. And so um, that's just, that's something that we're focused on right now and hoping to, to be able to, to have our first pro property under contract by next year. So a lot of planning on that end right now, a lot of working, uh, you know, on weekdays in the evening or in the mornings before work or on the weekends. Um, so right now, when you were asking about hours and how long we spend right now, it's a lot. That was going to be my next question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really because we are building our team. And so um, right now, I would say it's probably... 20 at least 20 to 30 hours a week um between weekends and weekdays and a lot of our life right now revolves around real estate but it's kind of exciting because sometimes we have to shut it off um because we're just talking about things all the time whether it's you know we met this awesome lender or you know we were speaking to a broker or you know whatever we found when underwriting a deal and so we just we get so caught up in it that at some point we have to say okay 
at nine, like we're stopping. And sometimes <laughs> we don't. <laughs> and sometimes we just keep talking and we're like, okay, at 9.15, we're stopping. Stop. At um, 9.35. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, but I guess that sort of shows, right, where where we are and how committed we are and that we want both uh, to to jump onto the GP side and how committed we are on that end. So super exciting. For yeah, sure. that's great. So tell me, because I think I've heard different perspectives on this and um, you kind of come from a unique perspective where I, we haven't interviewed a lot of people who started strictly as LPs. What about being an LP has prepared you for becoming moving into this GP space? And what did you feel like you just really still had to learn and, and figure out because it, the, the LP thing just didn't give you that amount of experience? Yeah, because the GPs, I'm sorry, the LP being a limited partner, you are very limited. It is much more passive. And so I think on the investor end, it's been great to see, you know, from an investor's perspective, what should be those expectations, um, the method of communication, the frequency of communication, um, you know, whether it's a newsletter or a webinar, you know, what the preference is, uh, how communicative the sponsor is with the, with the investors. And so I think a lot lot of, of those factors when you start looking at um, investor relations have been really great to, to have, you know, being a limited, a limited partner. Um, but on the other side, right, it's learning then the asset management, the acquisition. So a lot of the back end work that as a limited partner, you don't have to worry about because, you know, the reason you're working with a sponsor is because they're taking care of everything behind the scenes. And so it's really been um, spending time, energy, and money, right, on the educational piece uh, when it comes to from, you know, underwriting, uh, which was something that I was very intimidated with because I come from an international education and counseling background. And so I'm not very numbers driven. And so I was very intimidated by the underwriting and the spreadsheets and the sensitivity analysis. Um, and it was really once I, you know, was able to meet once a week with a good friend and partner, and we started doing it together. And then I started understanding the story behind the numbers. So not necessarily like, you know, dividing this by this or, you know, cap rate or purchase price it was really understanding what those numbers told and when it came to revenue or expenses what those line items said about the story of the property so if expenses were really high well there was there you know there was an issue going on like what was that issue what was that story and so for me once I really understood the power of understanding the story behind the numbers then that shifted my perspective and now I'm able to you know look at a spreadsheet um, and understand what those numbers mean um, but I would say that is not something that I was prepared for as a limited partner uh, it was something that I really had to spend a lot of time and energy and effort uh, working on um, and of course uh, creating those relationships right whether it's with brokers or with lenders. You mentioned, Megan, that we met on LinkedIn. Um, and LinkedIn has been amazing for us. My husband and I are both really active on LinkedIn and we love it. We, it's been such a, a great venue to meet people, especially because we are in California and we invest in out of state. 
So we've been able to meet a lot of people from Dallas, from Austin, from San Antonio. And when we flew out there, then we were able to meet them in person. So we were there for about a week and we had uh, 19 meetings and three tours uh, in one week. This was right after we got married. So it was sort of our not honeymoon business uh, getaway <laughs> trip. Uh, and yeah, and it was amazing. I mean, just the, the quality of relationships because you've already established that online. And so then it's, you know, you're not starting from scratch. You already have met the person, you know, maybe chatted, maybe done a Zoom call, and then you meet in person. And there's so much more rapport that the relationship, you know, goes far beyond just an initial meeting. So um, I would say a lot, everything that goes on on the GP side, whether it's, um, you know, on the acquisition side, working with lenders, uh, underwriting, um, the asset management, you know, once the property closes. So there's a lot, I would say, still that is in progress and that we're still learning and that we're still continuing to to spend time and energy and money on but it's definitely an exciting journey that we're on so i've got to say mad props to any couple who chooses to spend their honeymoon quote unquote <laughs> doing something like this first of all it says a lot about just how aligned you guys are and the drive that you both have where this is fun enough for you to call it your at least pseudo or, or <laughs> honeymoon for now. So you got to find the time to relax in there too, but that's awesome. I like that. That's uh, I feel like we are probably kind of cut from the same cloth. <laughs> so your husband and you and my husband and I, that's awesome. Um, I also want to talk real quickly about that understanding the story behind the numbers because that's, I love how you put that. I feel like that could be mm -hmm. something that could really help the other people out there who aren't the super numbers driven people naturally, who haven't had their heads down in spreadsheets for years already and are trying to figure that side out. It sounds like you have a, a friend or a, maybe a partner in your, your new um, group that helped you through this. How did you meet that person? Um, and then how, how did you guys kind of set up what you have going on, whether it's a just professionally helping each other out or are you guys actually partnering on these future deals? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I actually did a program here in LA called The Art of Raising Capital, focused on learning more about capital raising. Uh, and we met through this program. She was also focused on multifamily. And uh, we met through this program. We did the program together. We were accountability partners for a few months. Uh, and then at the end, we realized that we were both focused on multifamily. And she um, wanted the accountability to have somebody to underwrite deals with every month. And she's currently doing asset management and property management. So extremely well-versed, very, very just has gotten very deep into, you know, both of those aspects within multifamily. And so just a wealth of information um, and it's super sweet. Uh, we just, we just really connected and got along really well. Uh, and so, uh, you know, she knew that we wanted to also go on to the GP side. And so we just decided that every week we were going to meet uh, and underwrite a deal together. And so every Monday, probably oh, the last, it's been months at this point. Um, we just meet for an hour and a half and we go, we look at a deal. We look at the OM, the offering memorandum, you know, the financials, the T12, the rent roll. And we look at, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? And we plug them into a quick analysis spreadsheet um, where we look at, you know, if the returns would make sense or on term, in terms of the lending, uh, what are those, le you know, levers that we have to pull or, or, 
change for this property to make sense. And it's really been, it's really been fun working, working and doing it with her. Um, you know, she's, she's very patient and just has been, you know, extremely, um, just willing to share and to, and to, um, uh, to, provide more insight into, you know, what she's seen on the property management or asset management and how that is specifically reflected on the numbers. Um, so not theoretical, but very, very applicable and very practical. Um, so yeah, we've, we've been doing that and we're definitely looking to partner. Um, so she's underwriting deals on her own as well. We do it on our own as well. So once we have a property under contract, then we would collaborate, whether it's on the capital raising uh, aspect or the asset management, because she has experience on that end. So that's something that that we're still, um, you know, looking at in terms of partnership and, and working together. But yeah, it's been it's been good. And I've also realized, though, Megan, that I don't like the numbers as much, right? So I'm not numbers driven. And so I my goal was to have a basic understanding. So then if I'm looking at a spreadsheet, then I understand what's going on, but I don't need to be the one to manually input anything. I don't need to be the one pulling levers or changing things around. And so it's really given me like a very good foundational understanding and helped me over the fear of the numbers and what they, you know, what they look like and how to change them. Um, but I've also realized that that's not my strength. And so working with somebody who that is their strength and they enjoy doing that has been amazing because I don't have to make it my strength. I just have to understand it and then partner with somebody that's amazing and that actually enjoys that part of the, of the process. And that is a great reason to go LP and GP in these larger buildings earlier on because you have to have a team around you to do that. I don't know many people, yes. if any, who one person took down a 150 unit complex completely on their own, doing all pieces and facets of what this, this job in this industry requires. So, and that's something that I think people sometimes feel like they should like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to start with these smaller multifamilies. Cause then I can do it all. I can manage it all. You know, I know exactly what's happening everywhere, but you're, you're not strong in everything. No one's strong in everything. And so when you are more honest with yourself about the things that you are really good at and you really enjoy yeah. doing versus the things that are just kind of a weight on your shoulders or that you, you're going to put off for weeks because you don't want to do it, which inevitably time is money also. Um, you know, if you're not finding people to compliment your weaknesses, you're just not going to be doing quite as well as you could otherwise. So that's awesome. You know, before we go, I want to ask, do you just have, I know you've, you've mentioned to me that you kind of like educating fellow millennials on how they can be investing and just educating people around you in general, but yeah. do you have any kind of key insights, key tips or tricks that you really like to share? Maybe your top, you know, two or three things that you really like to share with people who are interested in getting into real estate like you have, but haven't pulled the trigger yet. Yes, my one of my favorites right now, I have to go back to social media because it's been amazing just being able to connect to so many people. So we, my husband and I have a podcast called Make It Rain, Multifamily Investing for Millennials, because we're very passionate about seeing more millennials investing. We haven't seen that there are as many millennials as we'd like to see. Um, and I think a big part of it is because there's not a lot of access. I didn't know that this was something that was even possible until my husband told me about it. And, you know, before he knew about it, he didn't know that that was something that was possible. So for us, it's really important to spread the word on, you know, you can do it too, right? Um, there are minimum investments and it's really about, you know, getting in the right rooms with the right people and, you know, meeting the sponsors. But 
it is something that is available and accessible to everyone. You just have to put in the time and the energy to, you know, go to meetups, uh, listen to podcasts, reach out to people. So something that I've started doing recently is if you are a podcaster like I am and you hear somebody's story and it resonates, reach out to them. And people love, you know, talking more about their story and, and helping other people that are getting into the space. So I would say my tips would be to not be intimidated by it being such a different industry. I came from a very different industry um, and have, you know, very complementary skill sets that are transferable. And um, so, yeah, starting that conversation, all it, all it is is just starting to educate, whether it's podcasts, books, meetups, and then actively reach out, right? Because then you can get an is paralysis where you're just listening to so much and learning so much and not taking the next step. Um, so I would say ask questions. If you are intimidated, go to a meetup, go to a virtual meeting. Now that a lot of things are virtual, it's great. If it's you know a little intimidating, don't turn on your camera the first time. And maybe the second time you turn on your camera, but you don't speak. And maybe the third time you ask a question. And so it's really taking those steps. Um, to get started and to make it happen. Um, and then I would say step number three is do it, right? At some point you get so much education and you meet so many people, but you have to actually take that step and take that leap of faith. And I think once you've put in the time and the energy and the effort to understanding what the investment is, then that action becomes a lot easier. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes as well. Um, so yeah, I would say just, just do it. Life is too short, you know, and, and we just have to make the most out of it and, and um, enjoy it. Enjoy it while we're here. That's awesome. I love that. I actually just read, and it's one of those things that's been sitting on my bookshelf for literally three or four years and I finally <laughs> picked up um 12 pillars which is like a you know a kind of almost a parable I guess uh by Jim Rohn and and someone he brought in to help co-author this um fictional account that helps them get across these 12 pillars of success and mm -hmm. some of the things you just said there really align with what they talk about in that book it's such a quick and easy read so I'll I'll add a tip for anyone out there who's looking for some inspiration to just do it as Daisy says go read 12 pillars it's quick it's a kick in the butt. It'll get your head right. You can get out there and make things happen after after some of the inspiration and the um, bits of wisdom that you get from a read like that. So this has been awesome, Daisy. I want to ask you two more questions before we let you go. The first question is one that we ask everyone every time, just kind of a little curveball at the end to see what you think. <laughs> so here it goes. Josiah and I, we're the, the multifamily Mavericks uh, podcast hosts and uh, I don't know if you know this, but our podcast makes millions and millions of dollars. Just kidding, everyone. We make no money. Uh, <laughs> but <Not yet. laughs> if Josiah and I were to write you a check for $10 million and say, Daisy, you and your husband can have this to do what you will with it, except for real estate. You cannot invest in real estate. You can no longer invest in the real estate you already have. You have to, you know, cash out. You can take your, all your money and equity back, but you can't be in real estate anymore. Uh, you can't invest in real estate in the future, cancel your plans to become a GP, but here's $10 million if you agree to all that. Would you do it or would you say no thanks? I would. Yeah, yeah. I would do it. 
I would put it all into education. I mean, I come from an educational background. I've been in this space the last 10 years and I've seen the power that comes with, you know, alleviating poverty and getting girls, you know, to help in communities. And there's just so much power in education. And uh, I think it's, it's the, the foundation and, and my parents instilled that from a very young age that, you know, go to school, get, get a job, do better. And uh, that opens up a world of possibility. So I would put it all into education. That's awesome. I love it. And again, coming back to the why and some of the bigger reasons behind money and investing, it's not, it's not the reason, it's, it's a tool that you use for other things in life. Yes. All right, Daisy, last question then. Just take this last minute to tell us where people can find out about you, where they can connect with you, where they can you know, find your podcast. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was really fun, Megan. And I always love connecting, especially with other women. There aren't as many as we would like in this space. Very true. <laughs> um, so it's always lovely connecting with, with other women in, in the multifamily space. Um, but yeah, you can find us on Instagram, uh, Make It Rain Podcast. Very, very active on there, especially, you know, we are millennials, so we have to represent on, <laughs> on IG. Uh, we're also, our, our website is makeitraincapital.com. And there you'll find more information about us, about who we are, uh, about the podcast, about the markets that we're invested in, about the deals that we're invested in. Uh, and then we're very, very active also on LinkedIn. So Daisy Serrano, S-E-R-R-A-N-O. Um, and then my husband also is very active on there. So happy to connect you on there with anybody that I can. And yeah, just happy to reach out. So if you have any questions or any uh, topics for, you know, that you're interested in hearing more about, we'd, we'd always love uh, to hear feedback. So yeah, it was, it's been lovely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much for coming on. I think this was great. This is a completely different perspective that we haven't really touched yet. Starting as an LP, starting with these bigger buildings in mind, even if you're not doing it all as a GP yet, um, not that you ever do it all as we discussed. So <laughs> thank you for sharing your story. I love it. This is Daisy. She is at Make It Rain Podcast. I am Megan. I am at Part-Time Empire on Instagram. We hope to connect with all of you. And again, thanks for your time. Have a good one. Make it rain. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Multifamily Mavericks. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and share it with your friends. It helps us grow, which helps us find great guests, which in turn helps you grow. And don't forget to connect with us on LinkedIn or on Instagram at Multifamily Mavericks, at Daily Real Estate Investor, at Part-Time Empire. Join us next time to keep learning the multifamily game and scale up to financial freedom.